Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Greetings, salutations, and a grand hello to all of my unlucky lounge rats here at the end of your week. That's right, it's time for another edition of Friday Night Podcast, brought to you by Draft and Draft. My name is Corey, your limited lore master here in the Unlucky Lounge, and joining me as always is my bear-tending buddy, Borok. Yes, Brock, the time ticks away, and so comes a new format today. But before we get into our live FNP draft, few bits of housekeeping and upkeeping. This podcast, as always, is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out, BLEAV.com, at their website, or wherever you find your podcasts. A range of topics that are sure to keep the waning hours of the day at bay. And as always, this podcast is brought to all of you as a thank you for keeping keeping the listenership, keeping the positivity, and keeping the gathering in Magic the Gathering. Yes, all of my unlucky lounge rats tuning in. If it's your first or 50th episode, that doesn't seem likely because we've only done like 32, including bonus episodes. Regardless, go and find us on our socials, on Twitter, Draft and Draft Corey, or on Instagram at Corey Demone Enriquez. And if this show is giving you some joy, think about perhaps going to our Patreon, Draft and Draft, an MTG podcast. And if we're giving you some happiness, think about throwing a few dollars our way. You help us keep the lights on in the Unlucky Lounge. Well, as I've been talking, I had a chance to fire up our Amonkhet draft. That's right, it is Amonkhet remaster time here in the Unlucky Lounge. And let's start this off with an old tradition. It is an untapped step. Draft is ready, and here we go. This is my literal first time getting these cards in my arena account, or really mostly uh, getting uh, Amonkhet cards in my play area. I've, I didn't play a lot because I was working on the ship during the original Amonkhet, but I did get a chance to play quite a bit of Hour of Devastation. And openings pack, some things pop out at me. The rare is Hollow One, uh, the 4-4 that cost less for each card you cycle. Splendid Agony, the instant that distributes two minus one minus one counters. I know that is a strong theme. Uh, we've got Open Fire, which is three damage to any targets. Uh, those seem to be the best removal spells. There's also Sixth Sense, which gives a creature the Ophidian Clause. When it deals combat damage to a player, you draw a card. Uh, there's also Vile Manifestation, the 04 for two with Cycling that gets plus one plus zero for each card with Cycling in your graveyard. But the card we're going to go with is Cast Out. It's the Flash O-Ring. Uh, it's just really great, solid removal. And let's see where White takes us. Uh, pick two. There's an Unconventional Tactics, which is the flying pump spell that returns when a zombie enters the battlefield. Not bad for the archetype we're looking at. There's a Cryptic Servant. It's a 6-5 that costs less for instants and sorceries. Crocodile of the Crossing, a 5-4 uh, for 4 that enters. You put a counter on it. It's got haste. That seems like some pretty good gas. Doing a quick page of the cards. Uh, Dauntless Aven, a 2-1 that untaps a creature control. Could be good with some of the synergies like the uh, exert mechanic. There's also a Kenra Eternal, the 2-2 with Afflict 1. That card ended up being quite strong in the long run, I remember, from Hour of Devastation. I think I'm going to go into Crocodile the Crossing. 
it is going to put a minus one minus one counter on my creature and it's got a pretty decent body and getting some of those counter synergies going could prove quite fruitful. So we're going to start on Crocodile of the Crossing and cast out two four drops, which is something important to note. The rare is still in pick three, which is Solemnity. Uh, it, it prevents counters and uh, it's not really a card I'm looking to take particularly early. There's a Renewed Faith. Uh, I'm not sure how strong this card is in the format. I'm going to probably stick away from it for now. It's a cycling card that when you cycle it, you gain life. Otherwise, you can gain six off of it. There's a Magma Spray in this pack. Deals two damage and exiles something. I know that has quite a bit of utility. Uh, there's also a Sifter Worm. Ooh. Uh, enters the battlefield. You scry three, then reveal the top card of your library. Gain life equal to its cost. That's pretty good. There's also an Oshra Cultivator. It's an O3 that uh, you pay three and sack it to tutor for something. And then there's also a quarry hauler. Uh, you get to basically double counters on things. I'm going to try and do something fun, why not? Let's go uh, with the Osha Cultivator. It's an early drop, it's this decent blocker and we can kind of fix around with it. Ah, uh, well, we might get paid off with our next pick because uh, Hope Tender, it's the 2-2 two, two for 2 that untaps a land or you exert it to untap 2 target lands. Uh, that can get us some good ramp and color fixing, which is nice. Uh, there is the Reduce to Rubble, the Aftermath that counters and then stops things from untapping. There's also the Pacifism of the format, Compulsory Rest, 1 to white, target creature can't attack with block and then... The creature controller can pay two colorless, sacrifice the creature, and gain two life. No, you know, let's stay on plan and see if we can do something sweet. Let's go ahead and take the Hope Tender. Pick five, there's not much to speak of in green or white, plus nothing really to splash around with, but there is a Shefet Dunes. This is a land desert that produces a colorless, or you pay life and tap it to produce a white, or you sack a desert and give your team plus one, plus one. Desert synergies can be sweet here, so let's go ahead and take the Shefet Dunes. Uh, pick six, there is a handful of potential options here. So we have Solitary Camel, which is the 3-2 for 3 that has lifelink if we control desert. There's also Wall of Forgotten Pharaohs, which works well with the Chef at Dunes. It's the 0-4 that pings a player or planeswalker on tapping it if you have a desert in your battlefield or uh, in your graveyard. And then there's another Hope Tender. I, I hope I'm not uh, overvaluing that card with the pick over the pacifism from before. Uh, what I will do is I will take the Wall of Forgotten Pharaohs, I would love to see if we can get some desert stuff going. I think that could be a pretty strong payoff. Uh, and then we see uh, in pick seven, there is a Watchful Naga. It's the 2-2 two, two for three that you exert it and uh, draws a card. There's Desert of the Indomitable, which is great with what we are potentially trying to do. However, there is a Gust Walker. This is the 2-2 two, two for two that you exert it and it gains flying until end of turn. I remember this card was savagely good uh, in Triple Amonkhet. I don't know how good it is in Amonkhet Remaster. It was a little bit not as great because there wasn't as many uh, accessible places for it in the uh, our, our Amonkhet, but we're still going to take it and see where we can go from there. Pick eight, almost at our table. Uh, there is a Pouncing Cheetah. There is a Supply Caravan. It's a 3-5 for 5 that you get a 1-1 one, one White Warrior Creature Token with Vigilance if you have a tapped creature. There's Talk Crop Elite which uh, is nice with the exert stuff. There's also a River Hoopy, 
This is the one three for one for a blue green, excuse me, that has active ability to draw a card and gain two life. I'm gonna go with this. Like this is the kind of thing that I'm, I'd be happy to splash and see where we can go from there. We're gonna take some more early interaction with a binding mummy on our table. That is our ninth pick, not too shabby. We then have a Dauntless Aven, which is the untapped trigger. I'm going to take that. It's the 2-1 for 3. Maybe if we're trying to do some exerting stuff, that could come uh, in handy in the long run. We're rounding out the pack with the Tabled Renewed Faith. Not too shabby. Uh, I think the good news is we are definitely in the right uh, colors. Green-white seems to be open. And, ooh, we just tabled another desert. It's the Colorless Desert. So, not great, but it is a desert trigger. Maybe we can get some value out of it. Uh, going into pack two, we're in the right green-white colors. If we get the Aftermath card that was an hour, the green-white Aftermath card, that would be some real game. Uh, opening the pack, uh, Scarab God is in there, which is crazy. It's bomby, but it's not even close to what I think we can do. Unless we can go some kind of weird, massive color drop. Let's see what else is in the pack. There is a Sunscourge Champion. When it enters the battlefield, you gain life equal to its power. Has Eternalize. It's a 2-3. Not too shabby. It's good in getting to late game. Uh, there is a Bitterbow Sharpshooters. A 4-4 Vigilance with Reach for 5. That card's quite good. Uh, Sacred Cat. The 1-1 one -one with Embalm and Lifelink. I'm leaning towards the Sun Scourge Champion. It plays good early and goes to the late. And if we can start to pick up some reasons to go later, that would be nice. Uh, there's also a Wayward Servant. What is this? A 2-2 for black-white when another zombie enters the battlefield. It is a drain. Uh, let's go with the Sun, Sun Scourge Champion. Wow, try to say that five times fast. Boy, oh boy. Pick two, pack two. The first card that comes to eye is the Cast Out. There is a Greater Sandworm. I would love to table that card, but I can't see not taking a second Cast Out here. There's also a Farm to Market. That is destroy target, attacking your blocking creature, and then the aftermath market side draws two cards, discards two. Nice with the river hoopy, but it's going to be hard for us to pass a cast out, especially because we're going to be in colors that maybe don't have as much access to removal. So let's take that cast out. Pick three, pack two. There's the Kefnet Monument. Uh, not bad, but we only have one blue creature. It's the one that uh, blue creatures cost one less to cast. And then when you cast a creature spell, uh, target creature on opponent control doesn't untap during its next untap step. doesn't actually tap it, though, which is important to note. Uh, there's a Hooded Brawler, 3-2 uh, for 3 that exerts and then gets plus 2, plus 2. There's another Crocodile of the Crossing, though. Uh, clearly, I think that... We are not going to get the minus one, minus one counter synergy with this because it's probably paired better with black. But I will take uh, the second one of those, giving a nice round out. Uh, ooh, now we do have a Naga Vitalist for a potential option for pick four, pack two. It is a one, two for two. It adds one mana of any type that a land I control could produce. There's a Heaven to Earth, which is a... Uh, a hurricane and then an earthquake on the aftermath. Let's go with the Naga Vitalist. Uh, right now, we're starting to shape up nicely with having some good early ramp and then going into some late game. So if we could just pick up some late game stuff, uh, I think that'd be quite good. There's a Synchronized Strike. Uh, it's up to two target creatures, get plus two, plus two until end of turn. I don't know if we're that aggressive. It seems like we're really leaning nicely into an early control game and then going into a later... Uh, bomb type situation so we're gonna now take a compulsory rest 
uh, to help out with that. That is the pacifism that our opponents could sack it and gain two life off of. And speaking of late game, boom, there is a sifter worm. Oh, right there, that, folks, is what we like to call a solid decision-making point of the draft. It is a spotlight point. I'm taking a cheers for that. Boom, that Sifter Worm is going to look nice. There's a Cartouche of Strength as well in this pack, plus an Anointer Priest. I know that this card has uh, definitely been a strong player, but I couldn't see not taking a, a Sifter Worm at this point. I'm not sure, Borok, how... Uh, solid this deck is at the moment. It's definitely on plan. Uh, the green oasis, the Hashtep oasis, is going to make our, our pick order here. Uh, next, the rare still in the pack, which is Gideon's Intervention. Uh, for four, it's one of those Ruined Halo variants. A uh, fine card. Well, I don't really think it's that fine, but it's going to uh, not be picked by us. We're going to take the blue desert, though. Desert of the Mindful. I'm not sure how good our splashing is going to be, but it's looking pretty good, and having more deserts for potential finding payoffs later on could be uh, quite nice. Uh, the next pick, there's not too much. I'll take a Dejru's Resolve. It untaps a creature, prevents all damage to be dealt to it. Maybe it'll make uh, some kind of play in the fact that we have a number of exert things. Uh, we did table the Greater Sandworm. Love that card. Uh, it's going to be uh, so nice. Like It cycles early, and then potentially we could just play it later. Kefnet's Monument tabled. So we'll just take that, and rounding out with an Ornery Kuduru. Uh, Ornery Kudu. Ugh. Some of these uh, words are just mental mind boggles. Uh, yeah, 34 that gets a counter went there's a battlefield, Haze of Pollen. Just gonna round out with a couple other things. Shed Weakness, we might actually end up playing it, but we shall see. Pack three, we've got uh, Temet Visir uh, of Nakatumen uh, for our rare. It's a 2-2 with Embalm, and then target creature token I control gets plus one plus one uh, until end of turn and can't be blocked. It goes kind of nicely with the Sun Scourge champion that we took earlier, but not much beyond that. There is a Oketra's Attendant, the 3-3 that cycles and embalms. I like that. That is nice. And besides that, there's not too much left in this pack, Quarry Hauler doesn't seem to be something I want to take. Sacred Cat, also, I could pass on that. Just going to go with the Oketra's Attendants, trying to play a little bit to the later game. Uh, our next one, there is for our rare, Champion of Ronus. You may exert it when it attacks. When you do, you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That works nicely with our late game, and our <laughs> it fits kind of nicely in the 4-drop slot, actually. There's another Sifter Worm. There's a Cartouche of Strength. Which I do like, but I don't know. This, this could be spicy. I'm in to give it a try. Let's try the rare. Uh, oh. Well. The rare is Sandworm Convergence. Now, we are doing pretty well on the acceleration. We've got uh, at least three sources. There is another River Hoopy. I guess... Boy. Yeah, alright, I'm going to take the Sandworm Convergence. It, it has, uh, it's enchantment for 8. Creatures with flying can attack you or Planeswalkers you control, and then at the beginning of your end step you make a 5-5 five, five green worm creature token. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's such big game. If we can get there, that's so good. And to help us get there, Oasis Ritualist is in, uh, the 
fourth pick of pack three here. This is a two four for four. You tap to add one mana of any color, then you can exert it to add two mana of any one color. There's also a Vasir of Deferment. When it ETBs, you may exile target creature that attacked or blocked this turn, then return it uh, under its control at the beginning of the next end step. Nice, but I think the Ritualist is exactly what we want to try and get to some of this late game. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to end up playing this River Hoopy. We might just be able to get there with green-white and just playing a bunch of random stuff. Uh, Cartouche of Solidarity is the white card in this pack that looks like one of the few things. There's another Dejure's Resolve. There's another Binding Mummy. That actually might not be a bad choice, but we're not really green-white aggressive. We're green-white later game. Uh, there's also another Ornery Kuduru or Kudu. Jeez, I can't say Kudu to save my soul. Uh, let's go uh, Binding Mummy. That card does uh, get there every once in a while. Uh, there is another desert, Desert of the Indomitable. We only have one wall of Forgotten Pharaohs. I would have loved to take in a handful of walls and then just start pinging our opponents to death. But there's another Gustwalker here. And Gustwalker is an, uh, a nice play, but you know what? I'm going to go with the desert. Reason being over Gustwalker is our game plan is to go a little bit later. And I think the desert helps us out with that. So let's go ahead and take the desert of the Indomitable, the green desert. Uh, ooh, Edifice of Authority is still in this pack, along with Wall of Forgotten Pharaohs. So the wall, like we said, is the pinger that we mentioned a second ago. But Edifice of Authority, uh, target creature can attack this turn. It's a three-costing artifact. Pay one to tap it to get that effect that I just said. And then once you have a number of brick counters, it's just... Uh, it, it can't attack or use activate abilities. Love that card. Oh my gosh. It plays so nicely into the later game. Uh, another Vizier of Deferment. Uh, just not really what we're trying to do. Uh, there is a Mighty Leap. There is uh, Initiate's Companion. Untaps Creature or Land. There's also another Cultivator. Uh, I'm going to go with the Cultivator. Maybe we can splash this River Hoopoo uh, and see if we can get there. Uh, next pack, there's not a lot going on. Uh, I will take the Aven of Enduring Hope, a 3-3 flyer that gains 3. Again, more late game. Oh my goodness, we tabled uh, the Dustwalker, but there's the Cartouche of Strength also here. Uh, it's a 3-costing enchantment aura, plus 1, plus 1, and trample to the creature, and then it fights. I'm going to take that. Uh, we are getting some big things uh, in our uh, pile, so maybe that'll have some gas. We'll take a tabled Synchronized Strike, uh... From there, and then round up with a uh, Ronas' Stalwart, some more two drops. But there's a Bitterbull Sharpshooters. Actually, I'm going to take that. Uh, some nice late and early things. Clearly, we're in the right colors, the green-white colors. Boy, that draft went very quickly and kind of came together. It's nice to see that we found our lane and we went to it. We'll see if this deck that I'm estimating we want to play later, especially with having Sandworm Convergence and some solid, big, late bodies. I think that's the deck that we want to try and build. So I'm going to try and build it and I'll be back with you in just a minute once I do some deck sorting and some cutting and seeing where this pile of cards might lead us, my unlucky lounge rats. Well, my unlucky lounge rats, we did some clicking and some shifting, and we do have a deck put together. So we are going to try to make things like River Hoopy uh, <laughs> be a thing. Uh, I'm going to play both the Crocodiles of the Crossing, if only because we do have a potential to shift that minus one, minus one counter onto another early creature. And a lot of our early creatures are not uh, particularly valuable anyway uh, with having double... Um, Oshra's Cultivator. Uh, it's also going to have us play the Ornery Kudu as well. 
Uh, just using those counters and putting them on things that are going to get sacked later on I think is pretty good. And having three fours on the battlefield, that can play us into later stuff is quite nice. Double cast out is a highlight. The Cartouche of Strength is going to get in there. My last choice here is second Ornery Kudu or maybe cutting, say, something unnecessary. Uh, I kind of feel like I, I just want to play one. I'm not that strong into using some of the minus one, minus one counter synergies, and if we don't get one of those cards, uh, it might not be such a, uh, a strong card. So we're going to give this a shot. Uh, we're not playing any tricks. We're just going for the late game, having things like Champion of Ronus and, uh, you know, Oasis Ritualist, Hope Tender, Nida, uh, Vitalist to help us get to the late game. Uh, and we are going to play a number of, of deserts, so we can cycle away things. Uh, with lands, we're going to play a single blue to help us out with our uh, River Hoopy. And <laughs> it's really fun to say. Try saying that five times fast. Hoopy. Uh, we're going to give this a, a play, see how it goes. I can see you being overwhelmed by an aggro deck, but I think we have some good game. Uh, in that, and I'm willing to bet this format is a little bit slower, especially with some of these desert synergies and the inclusion of a lot of our cards. Uh, what's also going to be interesting to see or feel is how some of the ads that they put into Amonkhet Remastered, the cards from other sets that they kind of planted in Amonkhet Remastered to try and round out their historic format creator, how they might affect the limited format. So we're going to start to play out these games and I will let my unlucky Laundrats know how these games go and give you updates as this draft develops. Game one is underway and our opponent's story thus far is Black White Kenra Eternals. They just played two one after another but they are stuck on lands and we are feeling pretty good thus far. So far this game we've played a Gustwalker, did a little bit of treating here and there, and on turn 7 we're about to hit our Sifter Worm, and this feeling of having this card and about to put it down and filter our draws feels good. We already cycled away a desert, which just that interaction of cycling away a desert and getting more gas is so wonderful, especially in best of one. I. I'm very much into the idea of encouraging uh, people to take deserts highly because it helps smooth out draws, particularly in best of one situations. Uh, we're exerting with the Gustwalker. It has been not touched this entire game, and we've just been exerting it every other turn and getting in for three damage. They're currently at nine. They're about to Mighty Leap their Doom Dissenter to make a 2-2 zombie. So we're, we're kind of trading one and a half cards for our Gust Walker, but now we're going to Windmill Slam the Sifter Worm. And the Scry 3 is going to get us some nice gas. We see Forest cast down, cast down. Wow, that's pretty phenomenal. They'll see the first one, but they won't see the second one. Oh, so good. We're at 24, they're at 9. They're facing down a Sifter Worm. Feeling pretty good about this game. We'll see how the rest of it develops. A few turns from Last Spoken, uh, we cast down the first one, we have the second one in our hand, and they've got a handful of random creatures, but we'll swing with the Sifter Worm. This is going to be pretty good for us, they're going to probably block with everything, and oh, they only block with three creatures, the Life-Linked Solitary Camel, Maya's Money, Mummy, and a, a Zombie Creature Token, so we'll order it, flash in our second cast down. 
get the solitary camel and trample over for the last points of damage. And that looks like a GG. All right, game one in hand. The ramp strategy seemed to have paid off. I'll be honest and say we're kind of lucky they got stuck on two lands, but even besides that, this deck feels like it's got some legs to it and plays early and late nicely, but we're one win in. Let's see how far we can go. Game two is a strong start uh, from us just coming out the gate. We have a turn two Naga uh, Vitalist. We have all three of our colors, including uh, three deserts and two of our oasises, uh, the white and green one. We also were just able to power up a lot of early value with our Sunskirt Champion, uh, Crocodile of the Crossing. We also have Edifice of Authority. The words in this set, I'm telling y'all. Uh, so we have a lot of late game playing. We only have the Sandworm Convergence left in our hand, and that's just something to think about, uh, if only because it just I need to make sure that I can make it to the end game here, but the edifice hopefully is going to start to produce for us uh, continuous swings, which would be phenomenal. Uh, drew an ornery kudu. Uh, we're going to probably swing with the crocodile. We'll accept a trade with the bitter bow sharpshooters if that is what our opponents would be into. Uh, just trying to slowly play to that end game. I could sack an oasis here. That is something I could do. Uh, to save the crocodile, but I think I'd rather just take the trade here uh, and start building towards Sandworm Convergence, uh, and then the Edifice should help us get to the rest of the end game. Back into game two here. We've gotten past a point where I'm mainly in control. Uh, they're starting to loop back their Trial of Strength. It's a trial that makes a 4-2 for 3. They played the Black Cartouche. Uh, we are still able to keep down their 4-5 Onri Kudu, which is now kind of uh, the, the most prominent creature on the board. Uh, with our own Wall of Forgotten Pharaohs, Sunscourge Champion, and our own Onri Kudu, we're hoping to start to mount some kind of strong defense. Uh, we just drew a Sifter Worm, and they played a Defiant Great Maw. If I could choose one side of the table to be on, it would be theirs. We're not particularly close to playing the Sifter Worm, but... Our hopes right now are to continuously keep their strongest creature at bay. We started out the gates pretty strong, got some damage on, but the lifelink off of this cartouche and the returning of the trial is just... Whew, that was a big swing. So we'll keep seeing what we can do. Hopefully we can start to draw maybe a few lands, make this Sifter Worm viable, but it's going to really come down to the cards in their hand because they've got... Uh, a three in hand. It, we'll see. We will see. Well, our opponent is five-colored nonsense, Oasis Ritualists, and everything in between. Ends up playing things like Lord of Extinction, and I just couldn't keep up with it, and I wish I had some more mana. So we're going to take a loss on this one, uh, but feeling still good about the deck. Uh, let's go into game three. Game three underway, and by turn three, it's kind of interesting. I mold to six, kept uh, Osher Cultivator cast out and uh, and uh, another Osher Cultivator in three lands. They then, on turn two, played Compelling Arguments. This is one in a blue, target player mills five cards and you can cycle it for one blue. Huh, I did not expect to see a mill deck. They did mill away our Sun Scourge Champion, which is gonna give us some game, which is nice, but have to kind of start to be careful here. 
They follow up on the next turn with another mill five, which allowed us to uh, accelerate into embalming our Oketra's attendant, uh, which they milled away. So we are getting basically two extra cards uh, for all of the milling that they're doing. And we did draw a Sifter Worm, so we have some game. The question is, how much is this game going to put us to the end, and how many more mill fives could they possibly play? Well, they didn't play another mill five, but they played a bounce spell that mills us two cards, Winds of Rebuke. We follow up with a Bitterboast Sharpshooters, uh, which they now tap uh, off of the Unquenched Thirst. Uh, and now Seer of Last Tomorrow hits their battlefield, which is going to find our cast out, which we're going to put on it right away. Not interested in just getting milled out off of the activated ability of a creature. Uh, this is not a archetype that I expected to be seeing, uh, so let's see how it goes. Uh, we get a Wall of Forgotten Pharaohs, so we're going to start to put some pressure on them, finally. Uh, turns out that this matchup is just kind of ill-suited for us because we don't put enough early pressure on for mill decks, but we'll see if the Sifter Worm can hit the battlefield and do some work for us. Uh, good news is they played Aven of Enduring Hope, uh, so it looks like they might be slowing down a bit. Uh, we are going to play the Champion of Ronas that we just uh, drew, which can put our Sifter Worm into play off of an exerted uh, attack. Uh, maybe that could get us to the end game. It's also going to give us space if we draw land to discard off of the uh, Sun Scourge Champion that's in our yard and eternalize it, putting even more pressure on the board. Uh, we are right now at six lands, so that could uh, maybe be some good extra value to get us to uh, a victory here. So the last two cards in their hand were a, another Inquenchable Thirst and an Aven Initiate. And now that they're switching to an aggro plan, it actually put me in a place where I made an interesting choice where I put the Cartouche of Strength on my Lockdown Bitterbow Sharpshooters. Uh, I'm making this play in the fact that if they didn't have additional mill cards, this is probably a good place for me to be since I have Sifter Worm and I'm now going to be able to activate my Oshra Cultivator and play it and gain some life. Unless... The one card they drew was a counterspell of some sort. Uh, I think we can start to take over this game a little bit. Good news is, the last card was not a counterspell. It was a cycling 5-5 five, five hexproof. Uh, so we, our Sifter Worm resolved, and then we revealed a Greater Sandworm uh, to really turn the screws on them. So they're facing down two 7-7s seven in the next two turns, uh, and we are both at parity of 21 life. Uh, I think we're in the driver's seat. If they find a mill card, that would be really unfortunate for this greater sandworm that's on top. But if we get to draw it, which we're passing to attackers, they're going to swing question mark. No, they're going to hold it back for blocks. All right, so we get to draw another 7-7, seven, seven, have 14 power on the board, and uh, a pretty good uh, driver's seat type position. Attack for 7, probably put them at 14. They're going to block with the Aven Initiate. I get that. If they have nothing else to do, they can at least embalm it, uh, bring it back, and prevent more damage. But all things considered, if that's their line, I feel like I'm in a pretty good place here. Well, they cast Floodwaters on our two 7-7s, seven which is unfortunate, uh, but we do get to do another instance of Sifter Worm. Uh, so that's quite advantageous. Going to set up our next couple draws nicely. We see a Crocodile of the Crossing and a Compulsory Rest and a Shefit Dunes. Uh, I think I will keep the Compulsory Rest on top 
and the Shepherd Dunes and the Crocodile. No, we'll keep the Crocodile on top as well. Uh, gain two life so they can see the removal spell coming. That's fine. Uh, next to combat. And maybe, maybe, maybe we can start to position ourselves into a winning position. They play an Ancient Crab. Yeah, they're, they're definitely all in mill and trying to play as many stall cons as they can. They have no cards in hand. They have an Avon initiative, Initiate in the graveyard. I think Amiket is going to go down as the set that has the hardest names ever to say. I swear. Uh, go to our turn, swing with the Sifter Worm. We'll play the Greater Sandworm, and now uh, with two different 7-7s seven on the battlefield, that's going to be quite a pill for our opponents to swallow, like a spoon full of sugar. Can they keep the medicine down? We will see. And that is a no. Getting a scoop from our opponent. Uh, All-star, Sifter Worm. It's a 7-7 Trampler. You use your mana, comes down late, gains you life, unless you scry three and draw more gas. This card is nuts. And from what I'm seeing so far, uh, multicolor and high ramp synergies are not uh, at least a bad deck to build in this format so this is gonna be a nice time in arena where we're gonna get to do some degenerate things and i'm in let's go my lucky lounge rats we are now in game four start off again with a good strong solid curve oshra's cultivator naga vitalis gus walker and then crocodile crossing getting the counter on the cultivator and swing for eight on turn four uh Quite nice. Our opponent's doing Jeskai things. Seeker of Insight, Visir of Tumbling Sands. Uh, they're clearly trying to do some kind of spells matter thing. Uh, we have a Cast Out, Cartouche of Strength, and the Sandworm Convergence in our hand. Feeling uh, quite good about what's going on right now. Uh, we're at parity. I'm going to be able to crack the Cultivator or uh, cast the Cast Out. Uh, I'm just going to keep swinging and just let them have to make the choice first. Right now they're choosing whether or not to activate the Seeker of Insight. This card's a 1 and a blue for 1-3 that is a looter if you've cast a non-creature spell this turn. So they're probably trying to figure out whether or not they want to loot right now or just accept the fact that they're going to take 5. My guess is they're going to loot and accept they're going to go to 7 after the swing with the 5-4 Crocodile of the Crossing. They did not. Interesting. So we'll swing with the Crocodile and let them make the choices. I reckon they're going to have to just take it. They only have an untapped uh, Seeker of Insight and Burning Fist Minotaur. This is a 2-1 for one red. It has first strike and you can discard a card and give it plus two plus zero oh until end of turn. So they'll be going to seven. We've got a Gus Walker that's going to attack them in the next turn. I'm just going to pass, keep a cast out open along with being able to activate my Oshra Cultivator and see what they do from there. So we go to activate the Cultivator. They then cast Struggle. Uh, red spell with Aftermath that basically its main function is it deals damage to a creature equal to the number of lands you control. And then we can shuffle our graveyards into our libraries. So not bad. Not bad. Uh, we're going to keep swinging with the Gust Walker in the air. Uh, we just drew a Sun Scourge Champion. So we're going to put that on the battlefield, gain some life. And they're going to have to answer the Gust Walker or they will die in some large number of turns. Don't get me wrong. It's... Uh, not a small number of turns, but with the Cartouche of Strength, it does threaten lethal, not this turn, but the next. So, we'll play our Skun Scourge Champion, gain some life, pass the turn. We are two lands away from being able to play Sifter Worm. 
uh, three from Sandward Convergence. They uh, cycle away their striped Riverwinder. Uh, and then we're going to go to our turn. Uh, I have to say, each time so far, Sandworm Convergence has been stranded in my hand. I'm not that impressed. Eight mana is quite uh, a bite to make, but both effects are still very strong. Maybe my deck isn't the one that's perfectly suited to take advantage of this. Maybe I need more Oasis Ritualist, the Exert 2-4 for 4 that makes 2 mana. Maybe that's when I play this card, but I could see just putting in another uh, Ornery Kudu just to play more things on the board. Uh, I'm not sure. I'll make those choices at the end of this game. On their turn, they play an Avon Wind Guide. I remember this was one of the more signposts of Uncommons. A 2-3 uh, with Flying and Vigilance for 4, Embalms for 4, and a White and Blue. It says Creature Tokens you have have Flying and Vigilance. I'll probably just cast out that card and then expect to Cartouche of Strength my Gustwalker in the next turn maybe clearing a flying blocker out of the way and potentially winning off of that. So cast out more than likely is going to be our play, but since it is a flash O-ring, we can take our time with that card uh, and see what our opponents might do in their next turn. They're just trying to develop their board. Uh, this flash cast out could trick them and give us the, uh, let's say, information edge to get us another W. Well, their turn is a Locust God. Uh, so we are going to cast that card out instead uh, quite comfortably. Then we are going to be able to Cartouche of Strength our Gust Walker on the Even Wind Guide. Uh, and I think that's going to be game for us. Fights the Even Wind Guide, then we're going to exert it, and that has a swing for four, and I think... That is a win, all right. Cast out being a role player uh, extraordinaire. We are 3-1 going into our next game. Sandworm Convergence is the big question mark on the table. Not sure, I'll probably keep playing it for now uh, when we reach matchups that are super grindy, which I just have this feeling that this format is going to produce. That card is going to win us some games. So onward to our next game and Sandworm Convergence. You're still on the team. Onward to game five, three and one. Uh, we kept a questionable hand with just a white and blue mana source. Uh, but we did draw another land. Now turn four, we are missing a land drop, which is going to force us to cycle this cast out. If we can find a green, uh, that would be magical. We did not, unfortunately. Uh, so we kept a, a loose hand but I still feel okay. They got to uh, impeccable timing our Gust Walker, uh, and we both have Skunsurge Champions. Man, again, the card's just impossible to say. Uh, and okay, well, we just drew our Forest, which is going to allow us to play a Crocodile of the Crossing. We will give it the minus one, minus one counter, and we are going to swing with both. If they want to trade their two creatures for my one, they can, uh, and still leaves us with a pretty good board state. So, we did draw the green, turn late, but still uh, doing okay. Our hand is Nida of, uh, Naga of, uh, Vitalist, Crocodile of the Crossing, Sandworm Convergence, Bitterbow Sharpshooters. They then compulsory rest our Crocodile of the Crossing, which is actually some pretty sweet game because we're going to be able to uh, play the second Crocodile and then get them. We drew in Oshra Cultivator. Yeah, I could uh, 
play a Mana Dude, but I think I'm just going to play the second Crocodile and just keep pushing damage. If they if they want to, they can uh, trade, uh, but that is up to them. I think we're just going to start to try and crack and deal as much damage as we possibly can. They did exile the second Crocodile. We draw Hope Tender, so now hopefully we can start to establish a board state. They're just playing a bunch of Ground Derps, Marauding Bone Slasher. 3-3 three, three for 3, can't block unless you control another zombie. Alright, so we're not in a horrible place. We're going to be able to sack the Crocodile, gain 2 life. They're going to keep swinging with their 2-1 Flyer. Our Hope Tender is going to be able to exert, and we're going to be able to start to deploy some of our hand here, eventually getting to a Sandworm Convergence or a Bitter Bow Sharpshooters. Uh, they attack, sure, we take two. We're going to sacrifice Crocodile the Crossing. We're at 15, they're at 13. We've got some game on our board. Not looking uh, completely abysmal. Good news. Uh, we drew a Desert of the Mindful. We'll just play that tapped. Uh, right now we are on the, the Bitterbow Sharpshooters for the Wind Train. Uh, and that will hopefully get us there. So right now we have a Hope Tender plus a, a Naga Vitalist. Uh, if we t next turn go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, so we'd be one short of being able to do the thing, Julie. Sorry, that was a that was a uh, reference to good old Avatar Korra uh, legend. I don't know why I'm saying words. Words are funny. Uh, we'll just uh, play the Ultra Cultivator, pass the turn, and then let them crack as they like. Alright, so they swung for a bunch, we're at 10, they're at 13. They have three islands open, a swamp, and a plains. And I actually do have eight mana, and I could play the Sandworm Convergence, but I think I'm going to do a test spell with the Bitterbow Sharpshooters. Let's see what they have going on. Uh, I'd much rather uh, have that countered than the Sandworm Convergence. Let's see what they do. It does resolve, okay. So that cleanly clears the way for us to... Uh, sandworm convergence in the next turn uh, and this effectively shuts down their attacks as well they do cast out the <laughs> the bitterbow sharpshooters which is good I'm glad because otherwise uh, the sandworm convergence would have kind of landed a big wet fart on this game so hey uh, you know beggars can't be choosers and we get to continue to try and do the thing uh, they do get to crack at us for five we're now forced to make a choice I think we are going to block with the Sun, Sun Scourge Champion uh, on the 3-3 three, three, and not provide any of their blocks because our ultimate goal is to land this Sandworm Convergence and hopefully start to take over the game from there. The issue is the flying on the Dauntless Avon. But now they are playing a Binding Mummy. And I think we're just going to have to go for it here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8... Yeah, let's give it a try. Uh, we drew a lands. We'll keep that in hand for the Sun Scourge Champion uh, in an attempt to potentially discard the and gain some more life so we can take away the potential option of just cheesing us out of the game. But Sandward Convergence lands nicely. We're going to start to make some 5-5s. Five they only have one attack with the 2-1, and hopefully we have Eventuality. And just to clarify, Sandworm Convergence says creatures with flying can't attack me or Planeswalkers I control. Uh, but the Sandworm Convergence is shutting down their board, and uh, we're starting to make 5-5, five five, so it feels pretty good. Now they cast Cruel Reality. This is the Mythic uh, Aura Curse. 
Uh, at the beginning of Enchanted Player's upkeep, that player sacrifices a creature Planeswalker. If they can't, they lose 5 life. Well, that's kind of ironic uh, in that we're making a 5-5 five, five every turn. I think this is going to stop me from sacking the Ashra Cultivator, though. So I'll just have another sack. And again, I don't want to lose to just random life loss getting me. So now it's Cruel Reality versus Sandworm Convergence. And I think mine is a little bit better than theirs. Uh, we'll sack the Cultivator in our upkeep. Cancel, resolve, got it. And we get to keep cracking away. We are drawing lands for days, which is not my favorite, but we are still in the driver's seat, and this attack of 14 is going to force them to do something. Well, last game I said, hey, what about Sandworm Convergence being cut? This game is proving why it is such an important part of the strategy that we're going for. I think it's going to stay in for uh, a bit longer. They're going to start to embalm a bunch of stuff, trying to... Uh, not, you know, die, I suppose. We do have uh, Hashep Oasis and the Shefet Dunes uh, to eventually get them with going wide. They're probably going to swing with uh, their 3-3. Yeah, they are. Um, I think I'm going to block and sacrifice uh, my Shefet... Uh, actually, I'll sacrifice my Desert of the Mindful and block. Again, Like the only way we lose this is if we uh, die to... Uh, random damage stuff. Oh, that was my bad. I blocked and <laughs> I realized that these effects are actually only uh, sorcery speed. That is my B. That could be unfortunate. Well, we did draw a cartouche of strength, so that is that is convenient. Uh, we're putting 19. They basically have to block with everything, so we're just going to attack with everything. Uh, make them make their choices. Uh, note to any of my unlucky lounge rats, those dunes, they are in fact... Uh, <laughs> They are, in fact, sorcery speed activations. So don't don't be like me. Don't be tricked. Don't be tricked. Uh, I'm going to second main phase, Cartouche of Strength there, Bone Slasher. Uh, leaving us with a 5-5 five, five, uh, Sandworm untapped. They're at 3. We're at 12. We have 4 Sandworms and a 5-5 five, five Eternalized Sun Scourge champion. They do get to embalm some of their creatures, but it feels like it's all over. But the crying, they are going to be able to crack me for at least two here. Let's see if we get the explosion. We draw our planes, allows us to activate our chef at dunes. We have four six sixes attacking them, which is going to give us the win. All right, sweet. I do enjoy this deck. This is fun. This is just fun. All right, it's your boy going for the value win, win number five of this draft. We're going to keep a kind of questionable hand. Desert of the Indomitable in two planes with everything over four. They mulliganed down. Uh, we're on the play. But if we draw anything, uh, we get to just play it out and start to build to our four drops. And if we don't, we're just going to have so much game between our Crocodile the Crossing, Bitterbo Sharpshooter, Sifter Worm, and Sandworm Convergence. They're playing white-blue... Looks like Exert Cons. They play Steward of Solidarity. It's a 2-2 two, two for 2 that exerts to make a 1-1 one, one white creature token with Vigilance. Uh, ooh, they do play Crypt of the Eternals. That's interesting. So now they have uh, a 2-2 two, two and a 2-3. Swing going to hit me for 2. Oh, no. They're exerting to make a creature token. Okay. Respect. Respect. Uh, we are going to play the Crocodile. Give it a counter. Swing in. If they want to double block, they can... Because uh, then we get to start to lay down sharpshooters next turn, and then sifter worm the turn after. Uh, See, so yeah, I, 
it, it feels like a questionable keep, but we get the eventuality between our five, seven, and eight drops. And from what this format is telling me right now, it is benefiting having big end game plays. There's just not a lot of solid, strong, aggressive herbs. But uh, for now, we are doing okay. They have an uh, exerted steward of solidarity. They are cycling their hieroglyph illumination. Looks like they're missing a land drop, trying to recover off a of mulligan into six. Uh, if they don't do anything here, we get two bitter bow sharpshooters. That's a pretty good place to be. And sure enough, that is what they do. They have a Plains and a Crypt of the Eternals. We drew the Oasis Ritualist, which I am going to play. It's going to allow us to turn six Sandworm Convergence if they don't do anything. And if that resolves and they have nothing to really interact with it. If they have a cast down, that'd be pretty good for them. They cycle a Shimmer Scale Drake, but we're going to be able to learn a land a turn six Sandworm Convergence. And that's... That's some game, friends. That is some game. Well, on their turn, they play Edifice of Authority, which is, you know, a pretty good place to be. Exert their Steward of Solidarity. However, we are about to Sandworm Convergence them on turn six. Start to make a bunch of five fives. If you got a cast out, now is the time to use it. Even if they do, we still have Bitterbow, Sharpshooters, and a Sifter Worm. Like, we're going to be able to Sifter Worm and just shape our next few turns. Oh, so nice. Well, they straight up scooped after we played our Sandworm Convergence. So, all right, on to uh, our sixth win, hopefully. Five wins in our belt, going for the six. Our Keep of Seven has us playing Osha Cultivator on turn one, Naga Vitalis on turn two. They have a turn two Gustwalker, but now we're going to be able to Crocodile of the Crossing, put the counter on the Cultivator. Also leaves us with our Bitterbow Sharpshooters and Cartouche of Strength in our hand. Uh, swinging for five on turn three is pretty nice. And able to answer their big threat as well. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah, this is this is looking good. This is looking good. Uh, swinging for two. They're passing. Okay, so they're passing. We'll just attack for five here. See what they do. They have three white mana open. I don't know what they could potentially do for three white mana on our 5-4. Ooh, they're going to farm it. Destroy target attacking or blocking creature. That is fine. What that means is we are then going to play our Bitterbow Sharpshooters. Stopping any attacks from the Gustwalker. Uh, we drew our Oketra's Attendant uh, along with the Cartouche of Strength in our hand. Feeling like we are in the driver's seat. Eventually we're going to sack this Cultivator. They're cycling Forsake the Worldly. See, now that, what a what a cool card. Like, you could legit put that in your best of one. It cycles away and just gets random artifacts and enchantments. Take, for example, uh, the card that we've been talking about, uh, the Sandworm Convergence. Like, that is one way to actually just not die. They're putting their Cartouche of Strength on their Gustwalker, swinging for four. I'll take the four, as then we're going to Cartouche of Strength, uh, the Bitterbow Sharpshooters, and get the Gustwalker. But I do have a turn. I don't have to worry about that. So I'm just going to swing uh, with our four four, and then we'll play the... Oketra's Attendant, and if they want to do something, uh, they, they're more than welcome to, but we have quite the driving force. I, I think the best parts of this deck are probably the ones that are curving out, but the ones that are playing five drops and getting to a Sifter Worm is a really nice part of the deck, too. It's interesting, uh, as we're going to continue to draft this format, uh, what is the better form of the deck? The late game, the, the multicolor, the desert synergies, or you know, just getting good stuff like this. They are passing on their turn five. 
that leaves us with Bitterbow Sharpshooters, Oketra's Attendant. Uh, we have a Hope Tender in our hand. Uh, what I'm going to do here is I'll, I'll swing, see what they do, and then uh, you know, make a choice from there. I do want to take care of the Gustwalker, but I don't need to immediately. They are casting Cast Out. Okay, sure, that's fine. They'll probably take care of the Bitterbow Sharpshooters. I am correct about that. Uh, leaves us with them taking three. Uh, what I'm probably going to do here is I'm going to cast the Hope Tender, and then I am going to have uh, Oketra's Attendant fight the Gust Walker. Uh, one blue. I don't think there's anything to do to, to stop this. So we'll have a 4 4 Flying Trampler. They'll just have a 1 1. We got a bunch of cards in hand, but we, we've got some game coming here. Uh, in our hand is a Sun Scourge Champion. So we can get another 4-4 eventually. And even if they deal with the Okechus Attendant, we get to embalm it. Alright, sweet. Yes. Their turn, they farmed. They did discard their Aven Wind Guide. But we're putting enough pressure on them right now that they're at 3. They have to take care of Okechus Attendant, which they can't, uh, even with the Monument. So they, they scooped it up. Alright, so maybe we can get our 7th win. Uh, and bring home some big gem value and a good start to Amonkhet Remastered in this format. Alright, going for our seventh win. We're going to keep a hand of Forest Forest Plains. We've got Oasis Ritualist, Crocodile of the Crossing, Champion of Ronus, and Greater Sandworm. So it, it's another one of the same keeps that we had before where we're going to bet on having great endgame. Uh, and being able to power out a turn 5 Greater Sandworm, which would be nice. We can also cycle the Sandworm. Things get a little sticky. We drew a plane, so we do have our fourth land. They're playing the Kenra Eternal. Uh, yeah, this card is uh, definitely a deck unto itself, Kenra Eternal. And I would 100% uh, buy that this deck is very, very good. Uh, we did draw turn 3 uh, Osha Cultivator, which is quite nice. We're going to be able to block, take one less damage a turn with the uh, Kenra Turtle having a flicked, and I'm, I'm okay with that. We're still going to be able to uh, Champion of Ronus, power out Greater Sandworm. Uh, this is my first time trying this card. I, I could be convinced that it's just not good, because I could instead Oasis Ritualist, but uh, for now, I'm going to keep rocking and rolling with this. Uh, we'll play the, the Champion on, on turn four, uh, and then we could, like, Crocodile the Crossing. Ooh, we drew River Hoopy! Our first time we drew our Splash. All right. Sweet. Cool thing about Champion is it's an attack trigger. It's not a damage opponent trigger. So as long as we get to untap and swing, we do get to play a 7-7 on turn 5, which is cool. And we can follow it up with any number of cards. They are going to Compulsory Rest the Champion. Oh, shame. Shame, shame, shame. Uh, we will still get a chance to block, though, with the uh, Cultivator, which is convenient and uh, at the same time the crocodile will have a nice target with uh, champion bonus I might just run the crocodile out and uh, not uh, attack with it no I'm just gonna play the oasis ritualist if I draw land we then get to greater sandworm uh, and the oasis ritualist is a good blocker as well uh, not in the worst position right now but things could be better we shall see all right on their turn they play blighted bat which is kind of funny because we have our 1-3 flyer. We'll be able to block uh, this turn. We're at 15. They've halted attacking with Kenra Eternal. So that tells me that we're we're on the right track here. So what we'll probably do is we'll exert the Oasis Ritualist and we'll play th three spells this turn. <laughs> three spell turn seems pretty good. 
So, uh, River, Hoopy, Wall of Forgotten Pharaohs, and uh, yeah, I think I'll just play this Naga uh, Vilas as well. Uh, we're just going to power out our hand here and uh, be happy with it. So now, no matter what they're choosing to do, we have a whole board they have to deal with. We're going to be able to run out Crocodile of the Crossing or Greater Sandworm uh, and get some solid value. And it looks like they don't have any active removal spells. So on their turn, they swung out. I, I had a pretty good read uh, on a on a, some kind of trick or something, so I only uh, did some safe blocks. But now they're going to attack with everything after playing a Dauntless Aven. I think now I am forced into uh, blocking the right way. So I'll, I'll see if uh, River Hoopy can... Uh, bait out a trick and then maybe trade with something. We blocks here. We'll do some blocks here. Uh, and then even if they do have a trick, we still get an activation off of the river hoopy. Or we have a cast out that we drew, uh, which also can provide some. But they, they have first party. What are they going to do with this? They're going to impeccable timing the, the river hoopy. Uh, shame, but I do think uh, I'll, I'll activate the ability. I do want to start drawing some cards here. Uh, drawing some lands would be ideal. Uh, we do not. Uh, the one thing we do have to be careful about now is the fact that they have uh, four power of flying. Uh, we do have a cast out for the first one, and they just played Aven of Enduring Hope. Okay. Alright, so this is now uh, definitely getting to some dangerous zones. Uh, if we draw the <laughs> the Sandworm Ritual, uh, that, this, that would be good. It could stop the flying attacks. Uh, in the meantime... Uh, I think I'm just going to have to cast out here. Uh, I've got one, two, three, with an exert, four, five, six, seven. So, yeah, we'll, we'll play the Ornery Kudu, and then uh, have cast out on their turn. If they want to choose to keep swinging, they can, but then they they might, they might have the thought to they want to start pushing damage through, and maybe we'll get a trade with some of their ground pounders. Uh, we shall see. We'll be able to take care of at least three of the flying power. They have no cards in hand. This is like one of those moments where you think to yourself, you know, this is this is it. Like it's all on you. <laughs> like it is your choices that are going to dictate this game. They're gonna go to attacks. Yeah, they're attacking with everything, and I, I get that. So we're gonna be able to trade some ground stuff and flash in a cast out. Uh, to get rid of the 3-3 flyer. See what they might do. We'll give them the priority to use effects before damage. Uh, block here. We'll do a block here. And then... See what they choose to do. Yeah, so we're going to do cast out. Get the 3-3 flyer. It's going to put us at 6. Uh, we do get to eventually sack the compulsory rested creature, so we might have another turn. We do need to draw something at some point very, very soon. Cast out does resolve. We are targeting the Aven of Enduring Hope. Uh, bringing our damage down to four, going to six. Looks like they did not play a creature, so now... Even though we're behind on the board, I need to start thinking about how we can win this game. Like maybe actually attacking, so let's see what can we put into the red zone. Attack, 3-4. Uh, yeah, I think we're just going to probably play the Greater Sandworm and see if that can get there. No, I think I'm supposed to cycle away the Greater Sandworm. 
I don't think I can just have the cards in my hand and my ground creatures and try and push through their damage, so let's go ahead and cycle this and see what we draw. Drawing a <laughs> another land will not do it. Uh, so we'll play our second Cultivator past the turn. Uh, they might just have us dead to Flyers. Getting that River Hoopy was uh, a good one with that uh, uh, instant speed spell. Impeccable timing. Very apropos for this game. Alright, we are at four. They have four Power of Flying. If we draw Sandworm Ritual, we will be able to stabilize. The Flyers won't be able to attack. We'll make a bunch of five fives. Come on! No, we drew a Gust Walker. That is not what we need, unfortunately. Well, that brings us to six and two. Still trying to go for the seventh win. Y'all been hanging in. Let's see what the result looks like. Thank you, Barack. I appreciate the words of encouragement. Uh, going into our potential seventh win, we're going to keep a hand of seven opponents on the play. Uh, it gives us turn two, uh, Naga Vitalist, and into turn uh, three, Crocodile the Crossing. We are missing uh, white. We do have a cast down, but we do have time. They're playing red-white starting on some Gust Walkers, so that is something to be aware of. Uh, we are going to be able to put out five damage on the board on turn uh, three, which I think can compete nicely with a Gust Walker. They're swinging for two. We are not going to block. We're going to take it. They're going to turn three, do something big. Oh, they're going to open fire our one, two. Oh, come on. We did not draw White Source, but we did draw a wall of Forgotten Pharaohs, so it is going to force the Exert. Uh, if they want to continue to push damage, and it will be nice with the Crocodile the Crossing in our next turn. Sure enough, they do exert. We're at 15. They're playing uh, Takrop Elite. Ooh, that is that is some danger zone stuff I ever saw. I uh, really love to draw white so we can cast that card out. Uh, Crocodile the Crossing, put a counter on the Wall of Forgotten Pharaoh, and we are going to start to swing away. If we can draw a white source, we can probably recover because we need we need to take care of the Tokop Elite. Otherwise, it's going to start pushing out some massive damage. Firebrand Archer, a 2-1 for 2. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, it deals 1 damage to each opponent. It's pretty good. Uh, we did not draw a white source, which is quite unfortunate. But uh, if we cycle this Greater Sandworm... No, that's still not enough. We'll, we, we'll still cycle it because we don't have the white, unfortunately. Maybe we can draw a Cartouche. Cartouche of Strength would be pretty good. Cycling a Sandworm and drawing an Oasis. Not not what you want to see, friends. Not what you want to see. We'll swing. Uh, play Hope Tender. Uh, happily propose a trade if that is something that they are happy to take. But we are going to take some big damage here. As I reckon, they're going to exert their Takrot Elite alongside other stuff. So, between our edifice and the cast out in our hand, if we can draw a white source or another blue or green piece of removal like Cartouche, we can stay in this game. In the end, we can look back at the hand keep without the white, and that can kind of say, oh, that's why we lost, but it felt still good enough to keep regardless. It's going to be able to stop some attacks at least. Uh, so, we have a turn or two before things get really, really sticky. Uh, Edifice is going to stop the Gus Walker from attacking.
they are in top deck mode. They pass with, I'm guessing what they have in hand is a trick. I'm not sure. All right, so they, oh boy. So they get to, we drew a champion bonus, so we will play that. But they get to Gustwalker. You could swing for three. Yeah. We do have the Edifice, which is nice. So we're probably going to keep the Tokrop Elite unable to attack. Still looking for a White Source. A White Source will keep us in the game for the foreseeable future. The Edifice is doing some work right now. Uh, we'll take three. We're going to go to three. You got us. But all things maintained as they are, this does give us two more attack steps. Nope, they just get to open fire us. For the final bits of damage. Oh, unfortunate. Well, I'm still not unhappy with the deck. It's white-green, big mana, uh, double cast down, of course, nice. Uh, Cultivator did quite a lot of work, uh, more than I thought it would. Uh, there was a chance that when I grabbed those uh, alongside the crocodiles that it just wouldn't be strong enough of an interaction, but the good news is that it actually was pretty okay. Uh, Edifice did work. The late game stuff, uh, the big sandworm enchantment was not too shabby. Uh, I think it's best in certain matchups. Like the last one we played, the red-white aggro deck, obviously not uh, great in that matchup, but I think that most of what we're seeing is desert payoffs and some late game value. So, all in all, good start for us, and I can see myself uh, having some legs and enjoying some Amonkhet Remastered. So, friends, find us on our socials on Twitter, Draft and Draft Corey, Instagram, Corey Demon Enriquez. Uh, listen to our last episode as well, starring Princess Elite MTG. Uh, it's one of our story time episodes, high production value, uh, and a lot of fun uh, as we framed rotating formats on Arena in a fun storybook kind of sense. So, in the meantime, it looks like I found the bottom of my drink, and so we've reached the end of our episode. Thanks for joining me, and of course, my bear buddy, Borok, for another episode of Friday Night Podcast here on Draft and Draft. Now go out there and make some magical memories of your own. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.